and we are live. This is Daniel Burnett with trainlikearanger.com. Today I have a special guest, Angel Cortez, former combat engineer in 1st Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. Thanks for coming on, Angel. Yeah, no problem, man. It's a, dude, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise. And uh, so I kind of, I, I listened to a podcast with you on uh, Mic Drop, and you've done a couple big podcasts lately. What was that like to, uh, to get that call? How did that happen? Um, so summer school had just ended, and um, be, well, um, before summer school, I, I got to be on Fieldcraft's podcast. Um, I, uh, I go to some shooting courses every now and then, and then, you know, made friends with some of those guys who, who own these civilian readiness companies. And one of them knew, um, you know, the Fieldcraft guys. And they're like, hey, man, would you like to be on a podcast with Mike Glover? I was like, I was like, I've, I've been, he was one of the first pages, uh, well, Fieldcraft was um, in the beginning. That well, As soon as I got out, I started looking at, at, at pages that I could, you know, get some motivation or information from. Um, cause that's when I, when I got out, it's not, it's when I really started, um, you know, the whole social media thing. And, um, and, and I found, I found out about Fieldcraft and then a few months later I kept seeing, you know, Mike Glover kept being on this, on, on the Fieldcraft page. So I'm like, who's Mike Glover? And I, and I clicked on his page and I was like, Oh shit. Like this dude, he's done a lot of things and, and, and I like what he was putting out. So I got the chance to be on their podcast. Um, and then I just you know, I did the podcast. It was a great time. And I came back and then just went, I just went back to school. You know, I'm going to school to become a registered dietitian and summer school was over and people were like, Hey man, like people want more, I guess. And, and they were like, Hey, what's the next podcast? And then, and then I, I put like a poll, like, Hey, or not a poll. I just asked like a question, like which podcast should I be on? And then they gave me a, a bunch. And, and the ones that kept coming on, like the, the kept making the, the, the top list was Andy Stumps, Joe Rogan, and, uh, Mike Ridland's uh, mic drop. So I was like, okay, I'm not sure how it works. You know, do, do you get asked to be on these podcasts or, 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 or do you ask? Or, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it up there. I'm like, and I said something along the lines like, hey, summer school is over. I got nothing but time. What do you say? And within this, like a few hours, Andy Stumps was like, hey, can you be in montana at so so date and i was like yes and at the time i had no plan I, I i didn't even know if i was gonna fly drive or whatever but i was like hey it's andy so like for sure i'll go and and he's hilarious every time he's been on joe rogan's podcast i've listened to him um and then you know mike hit me up like right away and he's like hey can you be in dallas and so so date and i was like yes so then i look at the flights and they were expensive man like it was it, just the flight alone to get there to Montana was expensive. And I'm like, I'm supposed to fly over there and get a hotel and then and then fly to Dallas and get a hotel. I'm like, this is going to add up. And I was like, I'm not sure if I can do that. Uh, and my wife was like, how about we just drive and we visit our friends along the way, you know, like, cause I used to be stationed at uh, Fort Lewis, which is now JBLM. And um, I got, I got friends everywhere that also got out of the military. So I was like, okay, let's drive. So, I drove from California to Washington and then Washington to Montana did Andy's podcast and then drove back to Washington, back to California and then to Arizona, Nevada, and then Texas. So I know like, so by the time I did Mike's podcast, like I didn't get to the city where he lives until 10 minutes prior. 
Like I had only slept three and a half hours, got on the road, and then in 10 minutes before it was supposed to start is when I got into town. So like the whole, um, it was afterwards, it was, I, I, I had time to like get it all like soaked, soaked in. But at the moment, dude, I was so tired from driving um, because I have a baby and, 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 and two other little ones. So, you know, the baby's diaper had to be changed or the little ones had to go to the bathroom or we had to go to the bathroom and, and eat or, or get fuel. And it, it was just taking way longer than, than what I expected. So I was driving like a lot every single day, sleeping a few hours, driving, just trying to make, trying to make each stop because I, I told certain people like, hey, let's, let's meet up. And, and these people are important to me. And even though I was getting no sleep, I was like, what are the chances of me being in their area again? So I just, I just pushed through it. And, and that whole road trip was like two and a half weeks. So at the time when you asked like, how was it? At the time, to be honest, I was just so tired and so, okay, I got to go here. I got to go there. Um, that my only time to really rest and not drive and not do anything was when I was in the actual podcast and just talking. And, and afterwards is when it, when it all soaked in um, and I was getting all the feedback and I'm talking about like hundreds of messages, like, cause both of them have such a huge following. I was getting messages from people from all over this country, from all over the world, and, and, and they were saying like, Hey man, like what the things you said, like, you know, I can relate to, and, and, and I've never heard something like that before. And, and people, so many people were like, Hey man, like you're telling our story and, and keep it up. Because one thing that I, I realized after this, I mean, I realized this a while ago, but it's even more concrete than ever is that, um, I guess you like my story or how people want to word it but it's like it, it, it's in, in my opinion it is an example of what is possible when someone decides to make a change and at the same time people with good hearts notice that and say you know what I'm going to spend some of my time on this individual you know um and and I'm okay I'm only grateful I can only be grateful for that and to to, to have been so fortunate to, to and lucky to be around those people um, and then make things happen, you know, and there's a lot of people, uh, you know, that come to this country from whatever other country and they try to make things happen and they, and they want to contribute to this country. And they're like, Hey man, like you make me be proud of being, you know, Hispanic and, 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 you know, I'm going to school to become an EMT or I'm going to school for, you know, nursing or, 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 Hey man, I'm a plumber or whatever it is, but they came here. And they, and they love this country. They want to contribute to it. And then also due to hats, because I touched a lot of groups because they have such huge followings. And then I had dudes from any major city, think about it. And then, and then them saying like, hey, man, I used to be a thug as well. And, and seeing you make it makes me hope that like, it gives me hope that I can make it. Or you know what? I made it too. You know, I had dudes who used to be gangsters, send me pictures. And then now, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're firefighters or, or, or they're um, EMTs or the police, uh, you know, they're like, dude, I used to be a troubled youth as well. And then I got, I changed. So like hearing your story and, 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 and telling, showing people that you, people do change from these poor neighborhoods who, who, you know, would be game members or game bangers, however you want to say it, thugs and they change. And, and, and what it is is that, uh, you got a chance to describe what's happening, and and that is, you know, poverty, 
the lack of a, of a role model, whether it be male or female, um, and not seeing anyone who looks like you make it because that's not what is shown for the most part uh, you know, on TV or, or, you know, on television and movies or whatever. I mean, you know, so afterwards it's when it all hit me and I was like, you know what? I, I, I was scared at first to, to share. Um, uh, and if you listen to some of these podcasts and then whoever listens to this podcast, you know, that, um, you know, they're going to, some of this stuff is, it, it was challenging at, at, in the beginning to share, but it, it shows that, it tells a certain story uh, then I think people can relate to a lot of people from certain groups um, and it helps them, you know, and, and people need hope, you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hope is, hope is very important. And, and you, your story is amazing. I think you nailed it. You're, you're reach reaching a lot of people. You know, uh, whenever I listen to the Mic Drop podcast, I, I expected to listen to key pieces and and put some stuff together and then talk to you. Uh, I was so drawn in by your story. I, I, I was I listened to the whole thing, all all three hours. Yeah. And it, thank it was, you, thank you. You know, I mean, it, uh, it, when people tell me that, I appreciate it because I value people's time and the fact that they would spend three hours when they could be three hours doing anything else. It means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours well spent too. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's eye-opening and humbling to listen to a story like that. So, you know, I think, uh, I'm very, I'm very uh, grateful that you chose to come on here too, after, especially after, uh, experiencing all those big podcasts and to get on my zoom call. And, uh, it's, it means a lot to me as well. You know, and, and to be honest, uh, it's like they have huge platforms and they obviously have huge reach, but it's about people, man. And, and, and I, people message me and who have zero followings and, and, and they ask specific questions that are very detailed. And I'm like, you know what, this person is, I can tell it's not like your average question that I get and, and they need some help and, and I'll get on the phone call with them. You know, the, no audience, they don't have hundreds of, or millions of followers that they're not going to do anything for me. But it's it's people and 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 I value everyone the same, you know. Yeah, and they, and they won't forget that for a long time. Maybe maybe they'll remember it forever. You know, that means a lot to people. Um, it's weird uh, from my perspective to have people want to listen to uh, what I have to say as well. That's a that's a weird concept for me. You know, when I started promoting myself and and the demand switched to that. You you are somebody who I would want to listen to uh, because of all these experiences. But it's weird to think of me as somebody who people want to come and ask uh, questions too. You know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's strange. It, strange. it is. It, it, it is. And then what helped me was other people trying to like break it down for me and, and be like, Hey, like what you've done is an average, you know, yeah. like what is, you know, as for yourself, like what is the percent of the U S population that enters the military and then break that even further? What is the percent of that actually goes and makes it, into the special operations community. So like for yourself, I mean, you know what, the, I don't even think that's 1% of the U.S. population. So, so that alone, it, it makes you stand out. And, and I think it, it rightfully it does. And, and people, they want to hear that because they're outsiders 
and and you know they're looking from outside in or inside out or whichever way you say it yeah yeah <laughs> and, um, I feel you. and they're in, they're interested right you know genuinely interested yeah it's it's cool it's cool to have uh information to give people you know so uh and and going back to kind of uh, what got you into the military, uh, speaking of that, um, you know, uh, your story started off with, uh, you know, whenever I was listening to the mic drop, you, know, you talked about crossing the border, you know, having to um, join a gang and, and uh, your motivations for joining the military. So um, could you kind of go into what that was like? I know that's kind of a broad spectrum, but kind of like where you started and how you ended up in the military. Yeah. So, um, so like, so it, it confuses people, um, about the whole border thing. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm actually the first one in my family to be born in the United States, but I didn't me being the first one and not being the oldest. Clearly I have older siblings who, who, who weren't, who weren't born here. My parents were born here. So, so my mom got homesick and also, you know, wanted it to get away from here and we moved. So I spent some time in Mexico, um, and then when and then you know after a year and a half or two of of them realizing like, hey, this isn't the place. We need to go back. We can't just be, and we just can't get in an airplane and just fly back, you know, because I'm the only one who's born here. You know, yeah. I mean, and my I mean my sister as well, but my younger brother was born over there. You know, so it, so we had to, you know, my sister and I actually being citizens, we had to do the whole uh, illegal crossing thing. Um, so uh, we live close, closer to, in Mexico, we live closer to the other border. Um, so like we live in Puebla and, and, and at the hometown where we live, when you open the door, like there's, there's a volcano like right in front of your face. It's like right there. Um, so we had to travel from there closer to the border of the U.S. Um, and we had to, and I remember, you know, most of it, I mean, well, most of it, but I remember big chunks. I remember driving, spending some time in the bus to get all the way up there. Um, and then I remember walking um, only during the night because it, so, uh, it was so hot during the day, so you can't do that. Uh, I remember them passing, you know, baloney and, and saying, hey, take one, pass it down, take one, pass it down. Uh, I remember getting caught on the Mexico side and then them saying like, Hey, you got to turn around. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the smugglers being like, Hey man, like, cause we're children, them saying like, Hey, we're going to play a game. You got to be quiet because if they catch us, then we lose. And then, you know, and then cause they, they knew how to talk to us of being children. So then after that, we, we, we got, you know, we shut up for a while, but then there was, there was waiting, there was walking and more waiting. And then I remember at one point it was just a sprint. And next thing you know, I, I, I run to a truck. Uh, and then I wake up at an apartment complex with my grand, grandparents and they give me stereo and I'm watching Superman. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's uh... you know? That's a crazy story. It's absolutely crazy. It's hard. It's hard for, you know, uh, I'm sure some people that wrap their head around what that was like. It, it, it was, I mean, at the time, I mean, I'm a child, so I didn't really know any better. I just thought it was all normal. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, and then, and then I tried to stay out of trouble for the most part, you know, we, we lived in, in, in low income 
communities and and with that usually it means you know crime and 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 with that and you know drugs and then money so you know there's 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 criminal activity there you know there's gang members and so on um but for the most part you know i stayed away from it you know i would see it um stayed away from it for the most part by skating and i would skate and hang out with you know people who like to skate but uh, i entered an age to where uh, I wasn't going to be like, let's say, invisible anymore. I, I wasn't a little kid. Now I was starting to become, you know, like, in, well, in that time and in that area, more of a man. So then, um, you know, I, I, I had to pick whether I was going to fight back or I was going to get, I was going to let people, you know, push me around. And, and there's a specific incident where one of them tried to take my friend's skateboard. And I can tell they weren't going to give it back. And, and that was making me angry. And, and one of them looked at me and they can tell like, Hey, this look at the, the look on this dude's face. And one of them said something along the lines. It's like, Oh, he doesn't even know. So I guess implying like, you know, I don't even know that I'm in danger or, or, or what they can do to me or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I, and, and that changed a lot because I realized that some of my friends were not willing to, to stand up for themselves. Um, and they were scared and, and, and then, you know, they, they were good people, but that's just not who I wanted to be around with. And I found another group that were, you know, which basically a different gang that would, that didn't like those people. And I did the mistake of joining it because I just wanted backup that it, just in case those people from school bugged me again. I could, if I had to fight them, I would have backup, but then I didn't realize that you know, they got gang members outside of school and then, and then they, and then those people got friends. So then next, you know, I have beef with people who aren't, don't even go to my school, uh, don't even live in my city. And, and obviously, you know, being a, a teenager and, and having testosterone go through your, you know, veins and all that at that age. And you're angry because of, of where you're living and, and what you're seeing other people have. And you getting the shit in, you know, sleeping on the floor and uh, sometimes at dinner and not being, not being, you know, there's not food, you know, getting to the point where you don't even ask for food, you know, like, cause, cause to ask, that's just stupid. I mean, you know, there isn't any, so why would you even ask, you know? Um, and, and I got a lot of trouble. Um, and you know, uh, I got stabbed. I, I've been shot at, and then, you know, not, not that recently after me getting shot, you know, I bought my own gun. I brought my, about my, got my first, uh, bulletproof vest and, it skyrocketed, man, and and to be honest, I don't know how I, how I haven't how I didn't I wasn't killed. I don't know how I wasn't in jail for the rest of my life, um, you know, for certain things that I did. And but at the same time, during this whole thing, this whole process of even even when I was in Mexico, I would look at soldiers and I would look up to them. Um, you know, I mean, I I love. Batman and, and Superman and Dragon Ball Z and all that Power Rangers and all that stuff like every other kid. But, but at that age, I, I had, I already knew like, Hey, that's fake. They're not real. And then I would look at, at movies from soldiers and be like, yo, like that's real. Like these people and what really, at the time I didn't really know how to put it in words, but what, what, but now I can. And, and it's what attracted me to that was their bravery. The fact that they were so close together that they cared for each other and, and they protected each other to the point where they would even, be willing to lay down their life, you know, and in protection, you know, how they protected each other. And, and as a child, you know, I wasn't getting much protection from anything inside the house, outside the house, um, you know, you name it, uh, you know, 
the, a household isn't 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 that great when both your parents at the time you know aren't very supportive you know there's alcohol involved there's there's hitting there's verbal abuse there's everything you can you name it it's there you know so that attracted to me and I knew I wanted to join and as soon as I was 17 and a half I joined I I, I had my little spiel that I made that I get that I was ready to give to the recruiter I gave it to him um and I did have to have two waivers and I did lie some, about some stuff here and there, but like I got in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get the, I get the waiver questions all the time. Uh, you know, what they talk about their past and things like that. And, uh, did your recruiter kind of give you a heads up? Like, uh, we're not talking about this, this and that. Yeah. Well, so like my recruiter was pretty cool because I, I mean, I was young, but I wasn't that dumb. So I knew police, arrests and stuff that they could, they could probably see, you know, but I stopped, I stopped doing drugs. Um, cause I knew I was going to get, you know, tested. So I stopped doing that. I told them about the, the, not necessarily every police interaction, but the times I actually was taken to uh, a police department. Um, I told them about that. And then a bunch of medical stuff I, I kept from them. Um, and, uh, and the recruiter was like, okay, okay. And then he can clearly look at me, you know, he, he sees, you know, what, what, what was in front of him and, and he had me, you know, dress a certain way, um, explained or downplaced why certain things happened. Uh, and then I did have an officer call, call me and, and ask me, you know, like, why should I let you into my military? And, you know, I told him that, you know, I was young, I was dumb. Um, um, but, you know, I want to do this. Uh, and then also at the same time, what I tell people is that they may not allow certain things at certain periods uh, of recruitment, but, you know, usually they might open it up. Like I know one of the big things was my, my recruiter at the time, he thought, um, well, he asked me, oh, do you live in Mexico? And I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, um, he's like, don't worry, you'll get your papers here. And because at the time they were giving citizenship to illegals who were willing to sign up. Um you know, so people who, who straight out illegally just cross the border and, and, you know, whether you're coming from Asia or Europe or, or Latin America, at the time they were willing to give you papers. But I told him, I was like, no, I'm born here. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, yeah, it makes things easier. Um, yeah. and, uh, and the way that, that stuff, um, and then I joined, you know. And, and I wanted to be, I wanted to do something specific that had to do with IEDs because the, at the time I kept watching my, one of my friends had cable at his house. So I would watch the, the, the military channel and um, National Geographic. They would have these like, uh, specials on, on special forces or the, the Iraq invasion or Afghanistan. And I saw that IEDs was killing, were killing a bunch of people. Um, and I was like, you know, I want to stop those people or stop those things. And then they told me about EOD and combat engineer. And at the time, you know, I wasn't a great student. So I knew EOD was, I was not going to make it. So I signed up as a, as a 12 Bravo. That's awesome. And you didn't start out with an option 40. You didn't start out in regiment. You, you went to uh, another unit and, and deployed. Um, I believe it was two times, right? With them. Yeah. 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 So I, I signed, I, I didn't know. Like I knew about Rangers and, and special forces, but I didn't know like that there was a selection process or that there was a contract. I just thought that they saw you and how you were. And then they just told you like, Hey, you go over there now. You know, I, 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 
you know, just like most people, I mean, at least not nowadays they have a better idea, but back then in 2008, um, I was just like, and especially me coming from the community that I was at, having no one else serve in the military to even ask questions. Um, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I just wanted to join and I was happy. So uh, I, I was stationed at JBLM um, and, you know, with some great dudes, you know, because uh, a lot of them eventually went into the special operations community as well. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you post that footage up there and, and stuff like that. Uh, you were, uh, you were attached to an ODA team and you were, uh, that was right in Afghanistan. Yeah. 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 Um, and that, that time really changed it. It really, I was talking to my wife a bit about it, that because uh, we went to go have a steak dinner and they're like, do you want wine? And I was like, yeah, I want a bottle from 2012 because that year was the year we went. Um, and it was one of the hottest areas, uh, you know, for that time frame. Um, so what happened was that, that um, I was fortunately, fortunate enough to, to be under great leadership at some point um, who molded me and I was getting ready to drop a packet to go either to selection for, for SF or for Rangers. And, and, but my squad leader didn't want me to go. And, and he's like, Hey man, he's like, we're going to go where it is, is that we're going to have a deployment with SF. Like you should stick around for that at least. And I was like, well, that caught my attention. And the next thing you know, I saw the green berets walking around our area and what, what had happened was that there's this thing called village stability operations. So VSO, and you take, uh, you take an ODA, a uh, special forces team and you embed them with either, uh, Afghan special forces this or or afghan local police and you have them live in the village as opposed to living in a big base and not interacting with the people and not living there you know you have a big base and you leave that area and then you come back only for an hour or two whether you it's the next day or the next week for to do your patrols and then you leave what they wanted to do was have special operations dudes stay there live there make connections real connections and then fight the taliban and show that like hey we are here for you Right. So instead of having two ODAs together, they're like, hey, how about we supplement it with an infantry uh, squad? And me not being an infantryman, but um, uh, they wanted the infantry um, battalion asked for nine combat engineers. So like, hey, give us combat engineers. And, and me being who I was at the time, they're like, easily, I made the list. So I was like, hell yeah. Um, and then we got attached to a team. And when we got there, it was winter. But the team that we were replacing, that we had met, um, met up with, they had just lost some dudes. And, and it was winter time. And they're like, and they took us, every, the, one of the first places they took us was to the place where some of the vehicle remains were still in that area. And they're like, I'm spring. This is what you're going to face. And they told us about everything. And, and we were operating in war deck. So the elevation was between like somewhere, but sometimes we were from 8,000 to 10,000 feet. And these villages, you know, I mean, there's mountains everywhere. There's hills, there's, there's wadis, there's everything. All the terrain was, it was a jungle. Like as in, there's not one safe place. And, and the enemy had the advantage at the time of territory and knowing everything. And when spring came, I remember I was one of the guys of like, yeah, man, I can't wait till spring comes. I want to fight these guys. 
And we got that plus more. I mean, we had dudes killed. We had double digits dudes wounded. Some dudes multiple times. Um, and there was so much fighting uh, that I remember one of the SF guys saying, this was like maybe August uh, or September. They're like, if we have, if nothing happens today, we will have our first uh, three-day break since June. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, yo, this is like three, four months of fighting every single day of, you know, and, and so what happened was we were living in a, in, a, in a house, a regular house, and we just stayed there and we fought there, out of there and we built it up and, and they tried to overrun us. Um, and, and, and it, it got wild, you know, so that, that really shaped me um, in a lot of ways. You know, I had a lot of close friends die there. Uh, I, uh, I saw that I could perform, you know, um, knowledge-wise. I didn't know as much as the SF guys, but physically I, I, could, I could, you know, run around with them. And, and, and so physically I knew I, could do, I, I was there, you know, mentally I was there, but I just, I lacked the knowledge. So to get the knowledge, I was like, I got to drop the packet. You know, I got to drop the packet when I come back and, and enter this community because like they really, and, and one of the SF dudes used to be in regiment and he was honest, you know, he, he gave me his, his perspective and pros and cons of what he thought was a pro and con. You know, for example, people tell me all the time, what's a pro and con of regiment and SF? Well, everyone has their pros and cons because what I may not like, you might like. And this guy told me like, well, you know, you, you work in bigger teams and over here in SF, you, you have a smaller team, and, which means you have more responsibilities um, and you have to do more with less, you know. Um, he did like that the ODA was way smaller, so you were a lot tighter. Uh, he liked the maturity level. Not that, you know, dudes in regiment aren't mature, but in, in SF, I mean, you, you got dudes, you know, in their late 20s and 30s and 40s and, and these guys are, you know, it depends. Sometimes you get like little shithead privates we're like 18 and you know so they don't have that as much um and and other pros and cons so then i was like you know what regiment sounds more like for me you know he did one of the some of the things he said is that that if you want fighting you want direct action you want masters of this of this violence this type of violence of working in teams like regiment is 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 it it's high pace um it's the best training, you know, that, that, you know, molded him to, to, I guess he, he got to a point in his career where he's like, I, okay, what's next? And then SF what's next for him. Um, but he's like, you may just stay there forever at, at regiment. So as soon as I got back, I dropped that packet. Um, and then me being prior service, uh, they were like, Hey man, it's not personal, but you get a one shot at this. Okay. You know, there's no redos. There's no, I got hurt during so-and-so. So, you know, you have time to heal. No, 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 you either make it or you don't. And me being prior service and specifically being E5, there, I had to do, in one year I did, in this, in this order, I did RASP, uh, Airborne School, Master Breacher, CERT, and Ranger School. So, so from October, yeah, from October to October, I did that. Right after Master Breacher, uh, did, did you go to your battalion first or was it just straight master breacher, then cert, then ranger school? No, I, I, they, they gave me the option and, and 175 was deploying 
So I said, you know what, let, let me go. And I, uh, but did they tell me, they did, they told me I have to do all this, but they yeah. but they said, if you go now, you might catch the, the, the deployment, the rotation. And then when you come back, you'll finish the rest. And I was like, well, of course, like if this is the unit that I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to, and they're fighting, like, I'm not going to say, Hey, don't send me overseas. So when I got there, I thought I was going to get sent, but they're like, Hey man, you're new. Um, some of the guys have already gone. The rest leave this week. They're like, you're just going to stay, which, which was a fucking bummer to be honest, because I, I wanted to go. Um, so, but then I, I stayed there for a few weeks. And then after that, I mean, I just took off to master Ranger and, and completed the rest of the stuff. Um, and then not till Ranger school, not till I came back from Ranger school. And then they were like, okay, like you have, you officially have a legit spot. And then, you know, then it took a year for me to like, just breathe and be like, okay, I made it because like, I graduated Rasmus Airboard School, but I got to 175 and I still didn't feel like I was legitimately going to, you know, stay. And then I completed Master Breacher. So it gave me, you know, it gave me um, uh, motivation and hope and, and you know, some, self, some confidence. Um, and then CERT and Ranger School, you know, fucking, that was a killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard you recycled Florida as well. I did, man. Yeah, and me too. to be me honest, too. yeah, it, like it wasn't it. So I did deserve to, 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 uh, recycle Florida. Um, I performed, I got my go, but I, I didn't act. It wasn't so leaderish, you know, some, some dude, some, there was an interaction and I was like, you know what, dude, take your fucking shit off. I'm going to fuck you up right now, which was not the right call. But at one o'clock in the morning, all hungry and tired at the patrol base. That sounded like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it gets like that sometimes though. People get under your skin there. Uh, yeah. It gets volatile sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know the feeling. Um, I, yeah. I did Florida. I recycled Florida twice. So actually, uh, Fuck. yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible, but uh, they, they call that the anger tab whenever you recycle Florida. Cause you had, you've already done everything. The only difference between you and a guy with a tab is they got the thumbs up and you didn't. Yeah. And, and the, what's funny is that I, I got my go in a position that I didn't think I was going to get it. You know, they were like, Same. yo, you know, you're, you're, you're platoon leader. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. I'm not, I was like, well, I'm not sure this is going to be a go. Uh, but I, I, I stepped up and, and it, it fucking, I got it. So I was like, I was super proud of myself. I was like, shit, you know, I, I, I can do this. That's super dope. Yeah. I butchered my PL look in, in Florida my first time through. I got a PL and and uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. I mean, uh, we had we made a raid happen, but uh, yeah, I don't know how. I still to this day don't know how we uh, we pulled it off. I didn't know what was going on. So yeah, I probably deserved to recycle that time, and uh, I don't know, probably probably both times, <laughs> but we got it right the third time. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dude, um, but because I was because I was a recycle and they gave me I think I was a recycle for like eight days. I got in the eight days because the the cadre who was in charge of us he didn't care he just picked us up and took us to chow and he's like hey when I'm done eating you're done eating so you eat however much you want and we ate so much for those days like I people who had who had stayed back at at Mountains caught up to us they looked at me and they're like 
damn dude your face is so fat <laughs> <laughs> you gain weight like crazy it's uh i think i think they do that on purpose too um especially there at the end whenever you graduate you have that um i can't remember what they call it but that day where they're just like serving you all sorts of food and then they feed yeah. you real good before your family comes and sees you so you don't look like a holocaust victim yeah i mean but even then some dudes still look like that you know yeah. um but I, uh, and then at, at Florida, it was where I bought an MRE for a hundred bucks because I was <laughs> yeah. so tired of being hungry. <laughs> I tried to buy a Gatorade bar. I don't know if you got those, but for, for one time in Florida, we got the Gatorade yeah. bars and I was going to buy it for 20 bucks. I mean, that was the easiest 20 bucks ever. And, and the one guy was telling me, he's like, dude, don't buy that for 20 bucks. This isn't a good look for you. And I was like, this is the easiest 20 bucks I've ever spent in my entire life. Still to this day, <laughs> that it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I don't regret mine. Like, as a matter of fact, the, the, when the guy, he's like, do you really want to buy my MRI? He's like, dude, we go in tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, but I'm tired of being hungry. Like, I'm tired. I don't care if we go in tomorrow. I want a full belly now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, 100 bucks, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was a hungry ranger for sure. This, I would stay up. I mean, the sleep didn't really matter. Uh, I would stay up, you know, when people would zonk out real quick. I would stay up and really savor the MRE, you know, eat the salt packet, <laughs> the pepper packet, anything that was in there, it was gone. I, I ate it all. Um, and then Florida was a place that I actually found out, wait, was it Florida? Oh no, it was mountains. That I found out that bees actually sometimes make their, their, their hive in the ground. No, really? Like I got stung, I slept. Yeah, well, some bees, are, if I remember right, and, and I slept, they're like, okay, you have, you know, you have, 20 minutes to go to sleep and I slept and I, and within like two minutes of me sleeping, I started getting stung and oh I realized that I had laid down fucking bees. <laughs> but this is how tired I was that all I did was get up, move 10 feet and just hit the ground. And be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That place is a, it's a weird place. It's like, um, I still, uh, actually have nightmares about having to go back to ranger school. Like I'll, in yeah. my dream, It'll be like, hey, man, you got to go back. We don't have your, your – for some reason, I'm back in the military again. They're like, we don't have your Ranger tab on file, so you're going to have yeah. to go back and do it again. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I've had that dream so many times now. Hell no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I uh, wanted to kind of go back for a second because a question I get a lot is, what's it like to be an import going through RASP, and what's it like when you first get to regiment and tips that you have for them? Okay, so good question. Okay, so I kind of get it all the time and as well, and I try to be as detailed as possible, but like this form is going to be the best way to be as, as detailed. So, like, you're good. Number one thing is you're going to get shit. Like, there's no, like, if I have my ranger tab by then, or I went to aerosol school, or I went to deploy, or whatever, like, you're going to get shit no matter what. So, face, face it. And it doesn't even fucking matter because the, the bigger, the bigger goal is to enter the special operations community. So who cares? In my opinion, who fucking cares if you take some shit, you know, along the way. So me being an import and then also being an E5 right away, they were like, you're the class leader. So I was like, fuck, because I wanted to just, you know, do what I had to do and then not be in the spotlight. So every single time right away, I was, I was in, 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 in the leadership position and of course the cadre fuck with me, you know, at one point they were like, Hey, aren't you an E5 in, uh, on one of our first rucks? 
They're like, count everybody out. And I counted everybody out, uh, you know, all fucking whatever, 200 of us or whatever the fuck it was. And within 10 minutes, someone else comes to me by my side of the cab drain. They're like, hey, aren't you only five? And I was like, yeah. They're like, how about you fucking lead from the front? And I was just like, oh my God. And he's like, run to the front. So I, so I had to run to the fucking front, all 200 dudes spaced out and I'm carrying my rock with my weight, just like everybody. And I'm just trying to fucking get to, and then he wouldn't even like get, like, just tell me and let me go. No, he was on my ass. You know, I, he didn't let me stop or anything like that. I had to keep going. Um, and then, you know, if anybody got fucked over, it was, they're always calling me. Um, there's that, like that, that, I already expected stuff like that. Like, even though as soon as I realized that I was not just going to, to just, you know, fly and low radar, do my part. Um, I realized, okay, well, that's just my role. And, and I had to pass down my experience to the guys who were willing to listen. Some just weren't because, you know, they saw it as like, I just got in the military. I'm here. You've been in the military and you're here too. So, you probably don't even know anything because we're at the same spot, you right. know? So I did get that. And I would say that was probably in my opinion, the hardest thing to was to not fuck up one of these dudes and, yeah. or not even that, because like, that's not even the right call. But what I'm saying is my frustration with having to hear that and then them not even knowing what I've already done. Um, it, that was super frustrating more to, more than the cadre, more than, the physical mental demands because obviously there were imports so we 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 all talked to each other but i mean that we also hung out with non-imports and i fed off everybody like hey we're all here we're gonna do this together it's not like there's a limitation on 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 who's gonna make it if you're fucking good you're going to make it if you don't quit you're going to make it so right away you make friends who are lifelong friends and and you know you either you may not end up in the same battalion but you'll stay together because it, it's something about going through the suck that, that makes, that joins people together. You know what I mean? Um, so then, and then uh, of course, you know, anytime somebody got fucked, like missed something or whatever, they would always come to me and be like, why is so-and-so not correct? Why is so-and-so late? You know? And then sometimes I would have to push because of them. And so whatever. Um, yeah. And then once I got to regiment, you know, it's not like an official thing, but everybody knows at this point, like you need to have a ranger tab. So then you're going to get fucked with whether you're an import or not. And then if you're an import, if you're just good at your job, if you are a master at your job, nobody can fucking tell you that you suck at your job and you genuinely are going to get fired. Like that won't happen. So they might give you crap because you're an import. They might just not like you for whatever reason, but if you're good at your job, you're going to have a place and you're going to, make it you know um me being a combat engineer i wanted to make sure that i knew my job i went to master preacher i fucking killed it um you know at the same time there was 11 bravo team leaders who got sent and they didn't fuck and and, and i know that they didn't they failed the exam you know i mean it's not my job to call out whoever but it's like I, so that was my first time of being like hey this you're gonna get you can, you're going to get tested in your job and you better fucking make it. And, and I made it, you know? Um, and then, but again, you need your ranger tab, whether you're an import or not. Uh, so not till I got my ranger tab, then 
some of the slack and, 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 and shit got taken off. And by then my, I had shown, you know, what I can do. So it's going to take some time. You just got to be patient and you have to remember, you know, the bigger picture. What are you doing? You want to join the special operations. Why? Because you want to be part of something bigger, something that does uh, higher targets, more of an impact on the war. Then, if you have to take some shit for a while before you establish yourself, then so be it. But if you're not even willing to do that, then, hey, maybe regiment isn't fucking for you. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's nobody's dodging it. I, I think you nailed it with that advice. Um, you know, if you want to experience adversity, regiment is the place to, uh, if you haven't experienced it previously in your life, you will experience it there. It is uh, absolutely a meat grinder. It is a fast-paced place. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're slacking, you're going to know pretty quick that you're slacking. People are going to be on you. Um, you know, it, uh, that was, that was, uh, a big eye opener whenever I got there, you know, uh, my story is, you know, uh, I got in, I didn't really know anything, you know, whenever I enlisted, I didn't have like a wide military family. I didn't come from a big military background. I enlisted, uh, under the option 40 and, I didn't really know what that meant. I thought I was going to ranger school and then I was going to be a ranger. I remember the first time I saw a dude in the tambourine, I didn't know what it was. And, uh, and just kind of like this big learning curve coming in. The first time I saw a combat action badge, I thought it was a knife kill. That's what I thought that meant. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. So the whole thing was, um, was a big eye opener. I just wasn't somebody with this, massive amount of experience prior to I left, you know, I enlisted at 17 and went in and I, you know, something that I have now forever was from that experience was all this adversity that I never had before. And it grew me into this better person. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I liked it. You know, every minute that every minute of my time in regiment, good or bad, I appreciate all of it because it made me who I am today. A hundred percent. And then that's, and that kind of plays into one of the things that people ask me, like, is it worth it? And, and, and it's a, at the same time, like, that's a good question, you know, and it's a bad question, but I, I like to see things more in a, in a half cup, cup, half full thing. And like, that's a good question. Cause if you're going to play, give so much time of your life, you will, you would want it to be worth it. And then uh, it doesn't help that some people get out of the military and they're like, oh, it was the worst time of my fucking life. It was fucking bullshit. Um, but those people, I feel like they didn't give the military a chance. They had a certain attitude and didn't want to change it. And so, of course, they had a ter- terrible time in the military. And, and then sometimes some people generally just had shit leadership that unfortunately fucked up their dreams or, or, or what they thought the military was going to be. But is it worth it? I think so, 100%, especially special operations. Because whether you can, you're a lifer or not, you can apply. And I, I've applied and I'm pretty sure you have, you know, some of that work ethic, some of that experience and knowledge into what we're doing now, you know, that success will continue. Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it. And you, and you nailed something else too. Whenever you're on the podcast, you said basically that just because somebody goes into the military doesn't mean they're going to change. It's, um, you know, the, the old army slogan is be all you can be, you know, it's kind of like a saying, you're going to get out what you put in. And, you know, whenever you, you apply for things like special operations, you are applying for a whole new level of something you can get out of it. So that's, that's another incentive 
to go. And, and it is something to weigh out because especially if you have families and things like that, it can be absolutely a, a meat grinder. You know, there's things to consider, but you know, um, if, if it's something that's going to linger and, and you, and you think it's going to be something that fulfills you, I think, uh, I think it's absolutely something to push for. So, and, and yeah, I would say that it, that I take a lot of lessons still from that and, uh, and I apply it to what I'm doing today. Um, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm using the train like a ranger thing. Uh, we were talking about this before. Uh, yeah. I actually just started this as a personal training thing. Uh, and, and the demand kind of changed to what's it like to be a ranger? And everybody kept asking that. And I was like, well, I guess I have this knowledge that I can spread to people. You know, I'm, I'm by no means a war hero or anything. Um, but I'm just a guy who kind of went through it and, and I can tell people on a non OPSEC level of kind of what to expect, you know, cause I lived it. Yeah. And then, well, uh, before I forget, you know, people ask me like, what's a, a combat engineer like, you know, what's it like? And well, I got to tell them like, first of all, should I, they're like, should I be an 11 Bravo or a 12 Bravo? And I'm like, Hey man, yeah. like I was a combat engineer. I loved the time there. Um, uh, it's also from what I understand, a fairly new job in the middle, uh, for regiment and regiment is an 11 Bravo world. Okay. So like, if you want to experience it to in, in a certain way, uh, you know, like as a combat engineer, you're going to be kicking doors or as a whatever, that's not 11 Bravo. Are you going to be kicking doors? I'm pretty sure in the history of regiment, non 11 Bravos, I mean, not, yeah, non 11 Bravos have done stuff like that, but in the majority, that's not what's happening. So right. if you want the 11 Bravo experience, you got to be an 11 Bravo. Um, so as for a combat engineer, I was the battalion master breacher. My job is explosives, you know, we're fighting a certain way for the most part, but that's not what fighting is all about. And that's not how we're always going to be fighting. So you need to be a master at, at conventional uh, demolition and urban demolition and all that, you know, not just a few, Hey, I just need to know what a fucking charge is for this door. And that's it. No, you need to be a master of all explosives. So if, if, you know, we fight instead of, you know, the Taliban or ISIS, we find, you know, conventional army. Well, you need to know, you know, conventional explosives because that there might be a mission that that requires your knowledge. So you need to uh, know all the demo books, soft and non-soft, and then we need to go to Master Breacher Waterway. And then, in my opinion, you should ask every single infantry platoon, go up to them, introduce yourselves, because you have to make yourself useful. You have to, you have to show what you can do and tell them every time you guys go to a demo range, can I go? And then some of them will say no, because some of them told me no. And then some of them told me yes. And they were kind, and then they let me go. And then from you build relationships. It's all about networking as well. So next thing you know, be like, hey, instead of a demo range, can I tag along when you guys do, you know, some, some, some rifle ranges or, or indoor ranges? And, you know, they'll tell you yes. And that, you have to make yourself useful. So I recommend if you're not an 11 Bravo, be a master at whatever your job is. And then if you want to do more, you have to go for it okay and at the end of the day you are in charge of your career yep yep and that's a place that you know knowing your job is highly emphasized and and and, and, you, and you're right you know um, your job as a specialty mos is ultimately to support the 11 bravos so you know me becoming a master in my craft is ultimately to support their mission there's been times where 
um, I've been pulled to do things like one time they made me a gunner on a striker, you know, usually that's like a 11 Bravo private job, but you know, that's where, that's where they needed me at the time. So yeah. they made me that guy, you know, it's kind of, but ultimately my job is to support their mission. I'm, you know, we're out there with them, but they're the guys who are usually kicking in the doors and, and we're, you know, we're close. Maybe, maybe we're kicking in doors, maybe, but uh, not common. Usually we're there to support. And so, um, yeah, going, uh, going forward, I kind of want to talk in about what we're doing now. You know, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, you know, start with what made you choose to get out and what made you choose to become a registered dietitian? So, um, when I was in one seven five, you know, uh, after coming back from Ranger School, they say that you know Ranger School brings up old injuries, you know, and that's very true. And and in in Afghanistan, I was in a uh, razor rollover, um, you know, uh, I, I got fucked up like real bad. So so when I came back from Ranger School, um, my shoulder and my knee, the ones that I got injured in that in that rollover, felt as if that injury had just happened again. So. So I had to see the physical therapist, and and the and after that, uh, I saw the uh, strength strength conditioning coach. And one day I walked by, and it's and a sign said registered dietitian. So I was like, I have no idea what a registered dietitian is, but this team that we have available for us, um, obviously they're experts, and and they're helping me build my body. I can see it and what's working, and I'm like, maybe I should go in there because I saw the word diet in it, so it's probably something about meal plans. And at the same time, I was competing for, in Muay Thai. So I had a fight coming up. And I was like, yeah, this meal plan should help me out, you know, because I, I didn't know how to fuel myself because I'm training uh, I'm training in regiment. And also, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm training outside. So my, my, I didn't know what my, my energy needs were. So she made me a meal. She said, what would you do if I could make you 5 to 10% faster and stronger? And right away, she caught my attention. And I was like, because in regiment, I mean, everyone is a fucking stud. So it's like, of course, 5 to 10% is a lot. So why not? Why would I not want to change some eating habits so I can be faster and stronger? Um, and her meal plan changed my life, you know, and, and, and because I thought it was just going to improve my strength and stuff like that. But, but I realized that, that nutrition is more than just like, hey, make my muscles bigger. It's, it's what you put in your mouth you know, like food wise, you know, three to five times or however many times it is a day has consequences right away and in the future, you know? Um, so when I got out, you know, no one in my family had gone to college. So I, I wanted to get a degree, but I, wa I wanted to go to school. Somebody told me go to school for something that you're passionate about, not something that's going to get you a good job unless you just want to do that, just get a job, get a check and do something that you may or may not be passionate about. Find something that you're passionate about. So training I was and, and nutrition. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go be your registered dietitian. Um, and you know, I'm not going to lie. It was tough uh, because you know, I mean, it, it'd been eight years. I'd been eight, in the military for eight years. I'm not used to writing essays or, or I, I wasn't doing any algebra or chemistry. So, but I knew if I applied 
myself like how I did in the military, um, then I would at least probably get passing grades. So I use all the school's resources. So the tutoring center, the math center, the writing center, uh, my peers, my professors, everything that I possibly could to help me on the, on the areas that I was very weak in. Um, and next thing you know, I was just hoping for passing grades and, I, and next thing you know, I'm just getting A's and B's, you know? So I was like, hell yeah, you know, it, it's, it's tough. And with each semester, I would say, you know, I thought I, would, I thought just going to school, I was just going to, you know, expand my knowledge on nutrition. What I didn't know was that with each semester, I would grow as an individual, as a human being, because the military does give you a unique perspective on life, and it teaches you a lot. But, but when you give uh, college a try, a legit try, you will learn from your peers, you will learn from your professors, you will learn from from the lessons that, that you hear, you know, and you put it all together with your military experience. And then now you truly have a unique outlook in life that most don't. Um, and it helped me grow as an individual, as a human being. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. I actually just have 10 months left. That's awesome. It, yeah. College is no joke, especially whenever you're taking those science classes, um, you learn a lot of discipline. It's uh, especially if you want to make like like A's and B's, you know, you gotta you gotta really put in work. And and I don't have kids in the mix, so I couldn't I couldn't imagine that on top of everything else. You know, it, I felt pretty bogged down as is, even with the GI Bill. Like I, I feel for these guys who are paying out of pocket because I had the GI Bill, so there's a lot of overhead covered there. I still worked two two part time jobs at one point, yeah. but I mean it wasn't anything super intensive. I could move my schedule around. You know, I was a trainer, so I could move my schedule around and. Uh, you know, so I had a lot of leniencies there and I still felt pretty bogged down sometimes. So, you know, some people are making it happen with a whole lot more going on. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a, well, for that. Uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah. For, for that, I would say, you know, it, it is tough if you have kids. So if you're, if you're fire service and you have kids and you have wife, uh, a wife, um, what helped me a lot is to have a very uh, supportive wife and, 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 and me be forward on why I want to get a degree, what it means to me, my family, and what it could give our family in the future. And, you know, she was very, very supportive. So that helped out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, my wife's pretty awesome too. It's, uh, it's good to have, uh, I don't, I don't deserve her. Uh, honestly, uh, it's <laughs> good to have somebody who's just on your team, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, how many, how many kids do y'all have? Three. Three. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Seven year old. Uh, my son's about to turn nine. Um, and then a one year old. So, uh, I, I was listening to the podcast and you said that the OG pumpkin, the first drawing was done by your son, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, OG pumpkin is my, my company. Um, you know, uh, when I got out of the military, I, you know, I had, I had no followers, no nothing like that. I wasn't trying to get followers or anything, but I, I, I lost my, my, I didn't know it at the time, but I lost my purpose. So, you know, after what I call the honeymoon stage um, of being out of the military, you know, everyone's happy, you're happy. Um, you know, I felt empty. And, and then I, I realized I had this knowledge that I could either not share to anybody that I was in the military or whatever I went through and just go through life or I can 
share this and then hope and, and then hopefully it helps people who are trying to get in or are in and then also you know so so the future is better than us i don't want them to be like me i don't want them to do the things i did i want them to do what i did way better way faster so it improves you know what what is in the military um so i started also loading up the pictures and the videos and then that caught attention everyone's attention uh and then you know companies would, would give me free stuff and and they're like hey man uh, people would ask me like yo man is that your shirt or is that your sticker or is that your whatever and i was like no it's not but it's so-and-so's company and if you want you can go buy it um and for three years people were like dude you gotta make your own thing and i was like no nah, man i'm not a businessman I, I don't know anything about drawing or art or or, or whatever um but in between semesters i would work these odd end jobs that i fucking hated and i'm like you know what uh i think it's time to pull the trigger uh, on this whole company thing. Uh, and at the same time, I was I was hosting UFC fights at my house. That's how I started. I would have a bunch of veterans come over. Everything was free. Food was free. I would pay for the pay-per-views. And my third child was coming. And my wife's like, hey, like, I know you love doing this, but you know, we're going to have another kid. And we can't be doing this pay-per-view every other week and the food and, and the drinks and this and that. And I was like, okay. But I was, I mean, me being who I was, I was like, well, I'm not going to stop that. You know, I, uh, I love the community. I love the boys, you know, more than I love my own kids at sometimes, you know. So I needed an answer. I needed to find an answer to address both things. Like, that is true. I was going to have another child. So I was like, I'm going to pull the trigger. And if, and if people see some of my uh, combat footage or pictures, I have skeleton gloves and a skeleton bandana and stuff like that. And and I like Halloween stuff. So when my son drew that pumpkin, I was like, boom, this is going to be the logo. This is going to be the first sticker. And and he was five when he drew it. Um, so I made 100 stickers. I, I asked, hey, who wants one? And the first batch, you know, went away that same day. Everyone asked for it. And, and next thing you know, my wife and I, mostly her, is, is filling out 100 envelopes to 100 different addresses all over the world. And... And that's how that thing started. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I can relate uh, with you on a lot of that stuff. You know, uh, we got out about the same time. And and uh, I like that honeymoon stage. That's the first time I've heard that. But definitely, you know, you experience that freedom for the first time. You're like, everything's awesome. You know, look, I'm free. I can do all this stuff. And then after a while, you, you start missing that sense of purpose. You know, like I can speak for me personally. I was going to school, but... You know, even though I was going for something, I had an end goal in mind. I still felt like there wasn't a whole lot of purpose to what I was doing. And something else that I was missing was uh, a sense of community. So, you know, I can't, you know, we both uh, yes. talked about that before we got on the podcast and kind of what got us started on social media. And, and uh, you know, it was the same for me, just kind of on a whim. Um, I wasn't even, you know, I, I wanted to do sell some training plans and I was kind of goofing off on there. I actually didn't have social media. I just deleted all my social media and that was refreshing for a little bit. And then for some reason, I just got an impulse one day, like I want to make this page and see if anybody will buy workout programs. And, uh, and so I did, and I sold a couple here and there. I couldn't believe how many people were willing to PayPal me, this guy who hardly had any pictures up there. And 
just willing to PayPal me for a program that I, writ, I wrote for them. So I would, I would always send it first. And I, and I would say, if you think that's worth the money, then you can pay me. Cause I never wanted, you know, uh, anybody to be pissed off or feel like they got ripped off. So I tried yeah. that. And then the feedback was like, these are really good. And so I was like, okay. So that kind of gave me some confidence. So I posted uh, up about a shirt, you know, that the, I used to do the t-shirts myself. I got away from that. Um, got to a better quality t-shirt. I was doing like the heat press stuff. It's uh, it makes a t-shirt, but they, they don't hold up super well. So uh, we kind of got a lot of similarities there as far as, you know, kind of what, what got us started and, and what we we're missing. And so it's kind of nice to have that back. You know, uh, Mike Ritland said at the end of your podcast with the Mike drop podcast, he said something that I really like. So I wrote it down. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but you ask, you ask Mike, you said, do you ever stop missing the military? And Mike says, you know, he thinks the ultimate answer is no, but what he finds important is, uh, is what you put in its place. Uh, the secret to happiness is finding a purpose. You know, he said basically saying every day is a choice and, and, uh, you know, you can't control what other people are going to think about the purpose that you find, but you know, you got to find what drives you and what fulfills you. And I, uh, I was all over that. I definitely agree with that. A hundred percent. You know, I, I agree. You know, I, I, I need a purpose and I need a community. Um, and I, there's other people doing it out here in, in Southern California, but I figured I can either complain about this and, or, or, or not be happy with my current situation or I can do something about it. And, you know, that's why a lot of the things, yeah, I was doing it to build a community and help people. But at, at the same time, like I'm not, I'm no saint because I'm doing this also for selfish reasons because I want a community. I and and, you know, people aren't just going to come and hang out if you, you just like, hey, man, you just want to sit down in the kitchen? Like, no. So you, you give them something that builds the community, and then this way you meet cool people, you know? And sometimes it is a hit or miss because I've had some people come to my house, and I'm like, for sure I'm not going to invite them ever again, you know? Um, or I met up with some people, and I'm like, fuck, like, yeah, for sure. I'm, this is not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> right, right. Um, but then you meet, some, you meet some great guys, and you're like, yeah, this is, you know? And then, and then I talk to them, and it's the same thing. They get out there's the honeymoon stage. And then they're like, who am I going to hang out with? Like, who is going to be, you know, cause your, your, your friends, yeah, you still, they're still your friends, but they're in the military or they got out and they went back to their hometown. Um, so I think, you know, people need purpose and they need uh, a tribe, you know, community. So it's tough to get it at first, but you, you can't stay isolated the, the, right. the, and you can't stop. You got to do something that keeps the body and mind busy and be proactive and find that new community. I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent that isolation, uh, it's not a good place to be. So finding, you know, uh, a purpose, a tribe, I like that. And finding, finding your sense of community, your purpose is, uh, is a big deal. Yeah. So, well, um, is, is there any, uh, final thoughts you have for, for everybody? Um, anything that you'd like yeah. to say before we end? Yeah, um, you know, you know, I'm not sure what the rate is of like prior service to active duty, but what, I was talking to this SF guy who's getting ready to get, get out, and one of the things he said was that he, you know, he he's meeting people because of social media who are prior service, and he's like, hey man, I like seeing what you guys are doing, you know, and he said, it's weird on how 
I like it, but it's weird on how special operations guys are treating each other better on the outside, you know, as an active duty versus veterans. And, and, you know, we, we got to admit, you know, it, I'm not sure what the situation is now, but I'm not sure because if it's the high tempo and, and the stress of the missions and, and, and the training and friends dying and, and divorces and, and whatever, but we don't treat each other as well as we should. You know, we get out and then, you know, now the other day I'm hanging out with Rangers and some SEALs and, and the SF dudes and everyone's friendly, giving each other information, networking and, and, and being nice, you know, and, and, and we don't do that that much, you know, right. to complete strangers. You know, how many times if you're with your squad or platoon and some other squad or platoon comes by or whatever, or other unit or, or whatever, and you're not as cool, you're not as cooperative and you're not as helpful. And, and then, you know, I see these people, they hang, we all hang out. And then when someone is genuinely in trouble, you know, we're, we're all there to help each other out, you know. And in the inside, from what I saw during my time, it's not always like that. You know, if someone is having, uh, you know, some mental issues or, 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 or some relationship issues or whatever, the answer sometimes is like, Oh, shut up, suck it up. Or it's drinking or, or it's something, you know, and, and I feel like we should treat each other uh, a lot better, you know, um, cause it's, it is kind of weird how on the outside we, we go above and beyond for each other for people. And, and I think it's because we, we don't have a tribe and once we get it, we try to hold on to it and, and, and help it and take care of each other. I just wish it was like that more like that on the inside. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I, what I, I've kind of thought about this um, a lot, actually. Uh, I think kind of the problem is, you know, we have the peer culture in our selection. You have it in ranger school. You're constantly seeking out, okay, this guy isn't doing what he's supposed to. So in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, that's the guy I'll probably peer last, you know, and it's like, it kind of doesn't go away. So whenever you move on from that, you're kind of looking for, well, who's being weak? Well, he's being weak. We'll suck it up or, you know, either get with it or get out, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, sometimes that's not the answer, you know, um, we need to look out for each other on the inside, on the outside. We need to be tighter than, you know, uh, yeah. the conventional units. We need to be really tight knit because of what we go through together. Um, you know, I, it gets so competitive sometimes. Sometimes we lose ourselves in that competition and we forget to lift each other up and, and build each other up. A hundred percent. Well, um, to uh, to point people out to you, I'll, I'll put this stuff in in the uh, in the bio. But uh, do you want to give people your uh, Instagram or you know anywhere you want to point them to your business or where they can find you? Um, yeah. So uh, my the company Instagram is the um, underscore OG underscore Pumpkin, and then my Instagram is Angel G Cortez one seven five. Uh, the YouTube channel is Ranger Cortez. And, you know, if you're in Southern California and, you know, whether you're a beginner or, 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 you know, an expert, you know, come out to the boxing gym. I train at uh, Rod Tony Boxing and then the Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai gym is Classic Fight Team. You know, come out and train and, and you know, just, just say what's up or just, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and actually uh... – I, I kind of lied because there's you brought up something that uh, I wanted to cover real quick before we get off. But um, you've been doing the martial arts for for a long time now. What kind of what got you into that? 
what motivated you to get into that? Um, well, you know, it's like turtles, man, and Power Rangers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, because when I was a kid, you know, I mean, we didn't have money for food, let alone fucking, you know, karate classes. So when I was in the military, once I got to Savannah, I was like, you know what, I, I really want to do this. I got the money, um, um, you know, let me go for it. So, yeah, I was scared I and mean, I was nervous. So I, I didn't really get into martial arts. Like before I had gloves and I would go to like the LA fitness that may or may not have bags and I would hit the bag for a couple, like three or four songs and like, that's it. But I didn't get really serious until I got to a regiment and um, I was super scared when I walked to the gym, you know, but I walked in and I was like, Hey, I want to take classes. I have no experience. I think I was uh, what, 22 at the time. So now I'm 30. So no, wait, 23. I was 23 at the time. So now I'm 30. So for like seven years, I've been training, um, competing, uh, mostly boxing and Muay Thai, but I just started getting more into jiu-jitsu. And coverage fucked up a lot of things, but I was supposed to compete for the first time, uh, you know, this summer in jiu-jitsu. But um, now I'm going to save it for next year because I actually got a 64-mile uh, race that I'm, that I'm um, training for right now. That frozen, that's the frozen otter, right, that you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, in a post it, it's it's kicking my ass, man. Fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sixty-four miles. Yeah, that sounds like a like a haul. So, yeah. um, well, uh, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing everything and and coming on with me. And um, and uh, again, guys, I'll put all his stuff down in the bio. And uh, again, appreciate you. Yeah, man. No problem. I'll, I'll, I'll let's do this again. You know, um, and next time uh you know we'll just talk about other stuff more newish stuff more what's happening you know and and you know um i'm i'm, I'm willing to come back here you know people are trying to get me on the joe rogan podcast but you know what dude even after that man I'll, i don't care whose podcast it is i'll be on i'll sit down with anybody and talk you know whether it's the camera's rolling or not you know so i'm just a dude you know right and uh and yeah, it means a lot that you come on mine and, and you're welcome here anytime. So looking forward to talking with you again. So, All right. All right, guys, I'm going to end this. So uh, you can find me on Instagram using the ad simple train like a ranger, or you can look up train like a ranger.com. All my social media is on there. You just click the icons. So uh, hope you guys are having a great day. Take care. <laughs>